Hey friends, it's Nikki and Andy and welcome to Nothing New, a Taylor Swift podcast. In Nothing New, we'll be covering all things Taylor Swift in several series, album reviews, themed groupings of songs, and of course, individual song reviews, all featuring lyrical breakdowns, production choices, and of course, the vast range of emotions that T-Swift songs elicit in all of us Swifties. So whether you're new to T-Swift, a veteran fan like us, or even a reluctant non-Swifty friend of ours that we're forcing into listening to this, hey, there's something for everybody here. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode four of Nothing New, a Taylor Swift podcast. Thank you to all of our listeners who have tuned into our first few episodes. We appreciate it so much. And thank you to everybody who's sending us like their live feedback to the episode that's really, truly making our day. If you text us and tell us that you listened, it's making our day and we're texting each other screenshots back and forth of your kind feedback. So it truly means the world to us. And yeah, we're so excited to get started on episode four. We are so stoked today. But first of all, Andy, how are you feeling today? How are you living? Thank you so much for asking. That's so kind. Um, I'm doing all right. I'm really upset about Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas. I have oh, to say. Oh my God, dude. I know, dude. <sighs> dude. I am really upset about it. It's for everyone listening, we're recording this. It's Tuesday, September 5th. The news just broke like two hours ago that they're officially getting divorced. And I'm we're really upset because Nikki and I are Sophie Stans and we are also Jonas Brothers Stans and I'm really sad and like I know that I'm 28 years old and I need to uh not be upset about celebrity breakups but that was one I truly never saw coming no it was like honestly very shocking especially because the Jonas Brothers have such a strong image in the media of like family mm-hmm. forward strong totally. family bonds like they're big husbands like and we're Joe girls. We love yeah. Joe. Big time Joe girl over here. <laughs> oh yeah, Nikki loves Joe. I say this to quite literally everyone. I'm like, if I had to choose a celebrity couple to insert myself in, it would be them. Same, 100%. They're so cool and they just seem like best friends. They're so stylish. I love them. So stylish. But it just, it goes to show how little we know. I mean, you know, we don't know, we don't know a lot, but I mean, Here's to hoping that whatever is happening between them, it's, I mean, from what I've seen, it doesn't, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be mutual, but you know, maybe, maybe it is. And also it's like, it's, you know, she's 27 and I think like she got into a really committed relationship really early and maybe is like, oh my God, I'm 27 and I have two babies and a husband and, you know, I I go deep into celebrity talk show interviews and everything Sophie's ever said is like, I'm an extreme homebody. I love to be at home. I love to be in my house all day, every single day. And also all the articles are like, you know, Joe has been caring for their kids and stuff. And also this is no Joe slander. We love Joe Jonas on this podcast. We We love love Sophie Turner on this podcast and not to speculate, but we're speculating, but (laughs) all the articles are like, Joe's taking care of the kids. And it's like, okay, so you want a gold star for being a dad? That's literally just what <laughs> women do all day, every single day. Yeah. And we just don't know. That's a, the long short know. of it. We is, don't know. We don't know. And we might not ever know. We don't know, but we are upset. Raising my glass of kombucha for both of them. Same. Once again, Health Aid Kombucha, please sponsor us. Sponsor We're both us. Drinking it. My favorite flavor is Pink Lady Apple. 
passion fruit tangerine gross (laughs) do not like that flavor but we're very sad about sophie turner and joe jonas and that's the main update of what's going on in my life um i also did a cute little trip to maine this weekend with my friends for labor day very folklorian vibes up in a little Mm. cute little inn in maine what about you nikki how are you doing I'm doing pretty good, you know, just kind of milking the last, the last little bit of summer here in New York City. It's dwindling away slowly. So I went to the beach this weekend, caught some rays. We love the beach. Swam in the ocean, listened to some T-Swizz, of course, at the beach. Obviously. Again, you know, a lot of folklore is playing in my house in It's an August, September, October album. It truly is. It truly is. So... Yeah, overall, pretty vibes are pretty good. I was super stoked to also kind of do some notes, to take some notes for this episode, which got me really excited to kind of segue into what we're going to be talking about today. Mm -hmm. We're very (laughs) excited. Well, today we are going to dive in to Taylor Swift's lead singles. So... To define what is a lead single, you might ask. The lead single is the first single to be released from a studio album by an artist or a band, usually before the album itself. So today we're going to go through all of Taylor Swift's albums, starting with debut, ending in Midnight's. We're going with the original releases, of course, and not the newly released Taylor's version albums, mm-hmm. but we are going to be covering all of the singles from each of her albums and going over was it a smash? Was it a pass? And a little bit about the history of each song, what it means to us, and overall, our general impression of whether she should have used it as a single or not. Indeed. And um, this is kind of the first installment in our category series. So we have the um, album deep dives, which you've already heard, and the album drafts, which is a fun little game that we like to play. And we're going to work our way backwards from Midnight all the way through the self-titled debut album. And in between the albums, we're also going to be doing category deep dives. So tell us what kind of categories you want to hear. Uh, We have a few down the pipeline that we have planned. But if you want to hear us talk about Taylor Swift's concert outfits, we would love to talk about that for an hour and 15 minutes. If you want to hear us talk about um, the, I don't know, what's, what's another good category, Nick, that we could talk about? Oh my goodness, there's so many. There's so, so many, many categories. Point Whatever being. strikes your fancy, let us know and we'll talk mm-hmm. about it. We <laughs> love any excuse to talk about Taylor Swift. So if you like this category episode, let us know what else you want us to talk about and we'll make it happen. Please do let us know. So without further ado, let's begin. Let's take it way back in time to June of 2006. We were both, what, 10 and 11 years old. Just yep. minding our own little business in, is that elementary school? Tail end of elementary school? I was Summer. just about to start sixth grade. So I was on the cusp of middle school. Ooh, that's so mm-hmm. exciting. I know. So then I was yeah, about it was to a start big summer. Fifth grade? Yeah, I was about to you start You must have been because oh we're God. a year apart in school. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a summer it was because we received Taylor Swift's debut single, Tim McGraw. An amazing oh, song. What a beautiful, beautiful debut release. Oh my goodness. Um, the first song you, we ever heard from Miss Taylor Swift. The first song, our first Taylor song that we ever, ever. received in our little baby ever. ears. Oh, what a beautiful song. 
Tim McGraw, I mean, first just coming off hot with a name, you know, Taylor, as we see in the rest of her discography, we love a name in the song. Taylor Swift started off strong, naming a name. Obviously, when you dive into the lyrics of the song, it's not about Tim McGraw, but it's a beautiful, beautiful, nostalgic ode to a young high school romance with you know, it appears as a boyfriend that's heading off to college or, you know, there's some time and space between them. And she's looking back fondly on the summer they spent together. And it is just a beautiful, beautiful, nostalgic, storytelling, twangy little song. I think it's also very fitting that it's titled after one of her musical icons, like growing up in Nashville, she obviously like had a big, was really influenced by country music. And I think, um, it's really apt that she titled her first song ever after someone whose career she probably wanted to emulate. And I'm not really a country girly, but I mean, Tim McGraw is obviously an icon and spoiler alert. This is my favorite song on debut. Hmm. Interesting. I, I mean, song. it's, it really is such a beautiful song and fun fact about Tim McGraw. Do you know, she opened for his tour. That was her first I did know big that. like introduction into the touring world was opening up for Mr. Tim McGraw himself before the tour. She wrote the song and, um, it was also fun fact, a little bit about the song itself. It was co-written with Liz Rose, who's a country writer and a longtime collaborator with Taylor Swift. She's seen on a lot of her other albums, a total of 17 of Taylor's these songs. Well. Yes, that's to be noted. Um, to be noted. Of, to be noted. Um, and also has production by Nathan Chapman, who's a country, primarily country music producer who worked with people like Shania Twain, Keith Urban, um, and many others. So it's got a lot of backing in the country roots for sure. But yeah, um, yeah. Andy, what are, what are some of your standouts from the song? Is it a smash or pass for you as a lead single? Um, as a song, major smash. Like, I think this is an excellent song. It's one that's really stood the test of time for me uh, with debut. And, you know, we'll talk about debut down the line, but um, not an album that really aligns with a lot of my musical taste, not to, not to spoil that episode. But, I mean, obviously it's the album that gave us fearless and speak now. So it holds a special place in my heart for that reason. But this is the song that has really stood the test of time to me, even more than our song. Um, like I love our song. Don't get me wrong, but I think as it stands, Tim McGraw is my number one song in debut. Um, as a lead single, I probably would have picked our song. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure about that though. I'm not confident in that choice, but like our song was the song that at least for me put Taylor Swift on the map. So I feel like she could have led with that and then like kind of scaled it back a little bit and done Tim McGraw as like the uh, kind of first glimpse into her ballad style. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you that this maybe wasn't the best lead single. It definitely would have been better in the second slot, but I do think as a song, it, you know, it, it perfectly captures the debut energy as a whole. You know, it's a very Definitely. young, gorgeous album about just girlhood and all the experiences within. And I love, I do love this song so, so much. Oh, so beautiful. I mean, we have lyrics like that really highlight Taylor's storytelling abilities, I think, that start her off strong as a songwriter. 
She's got the moon like a spotlight on the lake. Or when you think happiness, I hope you think that little black dress. Are you kidding me? Uh, with this and the soft twang on little black dress. So good. When we hear this song, we are by that lake. We are in the pickup truck. We are in that little black dress ourselves. And I just love how she captures that feeling so beautifully and so accurately, so vividly in our minds. And I do think that if it wasn't going to be our song, this was a good, a good alternative. Agreed. It definitely um, set the tone for the whole album. It was very soft. It was very much like first date, first crush vibes. Like everybody has a song or an artist or something that reminds them of whoever that first person they dated like in high school was. And mm -hmm. I know I do certainly. And, um, you know, I want to specifically call out the lyric. Uh, he said, the way my blue eyes shined put those Georgia stars to shame that night. And that was the first line that we ever heard from Miss Taylor Swift and is a perfect example of how she can just put that image like directly in your mind and I can picture it. And it also definitely like harkens to two lines like, oh, damn, never seen that color blue from Delicate or don't want no other shade of blue from Hoax. And I think it's it was a perfect lyric to first be introduced to one miss taylor mm -hmm. allison swift that's so that's so true couldn't have said yeah. it better myself yeah uh, so overall smash on the song overall smash tim mcgraw smash <laughs> but i would say even bigger smash to our song is the lead single would you agree yeah i would agree i would agree okay yeah 100 so you heard it here first smash but our song might have better so that might be past then we might have to be tough here and say pass <gasps> all right okay, listeners fine, just listeners just so you know we are smashing and passing on the criteria of this being the best lead single choice for the album not for the song as a whole because we both yes. would in a heartbeat smash tim mcgraw the song obviously not the human. <laughs> i don't even know what he's doing these days no offense tim um, Hill. that's what he's up oh to. my he god are the they still together they are, oh. yeah. I don't know anything else about them except that they're married to each other. But I also That's recently cool. realized that Tim McGraw was in the movie The Blind Side, which I have seen that movie a million times and never known that was Tim McGraw. What? He's in... I know. He's, he's the, the dad? dad. He's the dad no. in The Blind Side. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I know. Oh Shook. my God. I had the same Dude. feeling I had when I figured out that Ned Stark from Game of Thrones is Ian from National Treasure. <gasps> i know google it it's actually nuts i i had to spend Dude, like a good 15 minutes Andy, that was true. i just watched national treasure this weekend. that's ned stark from game of thrones holy shit i had no I idea know. and okay, you'll never my, look at him the same way i will never look at him the same way also ian is hot and that makes sense why i was smashed like, ian, to ian. Can get it yeah smash to ian but smash bigger to smash to riley true he's a home riley. riley i love riley he's so cute what, what adorbs uh, my family human. and i we always say "Uh oh god save the queen which is like a line from the second <laughs> yeah, one. yeah. <laughs> and it's my favorite it makes I know, laugh exactly every single time it's so, so good. good but to, uh, we to, love to it. roll it back big smash to tim mcgraw the song but i would say pass as the lead single yeah i would agree i would yeah. agree agreed glad we're in right. agreement there with that national treasure tangent aside, 
Now we move on to Fearless. So the lead single off of Taylor Swift's second studio album, Fearless, was a tried and true classic, a absolute heavy hitter in the Taylor Swift catalog, Love Story. This song was released on September 15th, 2008. And as we all know, had a Romeo and Juliet style romance um, at the center of the story. And I think this was the perfect choice. Yeah, I mean, I have no complaints here. I think looking at Fearless as a whole, you know, it's a very still she's Taylor's still riding high on the country train, you know, she's Mm -hmm. she hasn't veered into pop quite yet. And Love Story still, again, showcases her storytelling abilities, like you said, Romeo and Juliet inspired song. But we get instead a twist on the ending. We get a proposal. I mean, I just remember hearing this song and watching the music video you know she is clad in her victorian gown and a castle gown but there's parallels to a college campus you know it's this flashback what if we met in another life another time shout out her recently released vault song from speak now timeless timeless that song um you know, Taylor's always had a mystical, a, a love of all things mystical and Victorian and, and magical and yes, princesses. We, we still get a lot more of that mysticism on her following albums. But yeah, I love, I love the song as a single. I love chanting, just say yes, you know, in the, the last chorus, how it shifts so to Romeo's perspective. Again, you know, seeing that storytelling ability to to tell the story, not just from you know, your own perspective, but also hearing the words you probably wish your crush would say to you, oh. your, your love, you know, your first love, the dream you have is that they declare their love for you and, and how they've been, you know, waiting for you for so long as we see on, you know, You Belong With Me, another song off of this album as well. Um, wait, is that right? Yeah, that's right. Which again, so, you know, I do think You Belong With Me could have been a better choice for a single when I think about it, because it kind of captures this album, the theme being fearlessness in the pursuit of what you love and what you want for yourself and, you know, taking that Mm -hmm. initiative to just do. I love You Belong With Me drives that home a little bit more than Love Story. But yeah, I do think Love Story is... It's, I still think it's a smash for a single. At the end of the day, I think it was the right choice because it has a little bit more, it, it keeps the country roots there. It gets the mysticism in the lyrics. It kind of pleases everyone. What do you think, Andy? Um, I think it was the right choice. I think a strong case can be made for You Belong With Me because I think it really called into like the high school theme, um, like 15 and um, and fearless and just all of those songs that specifically call out high school. And, you know, this is a song for when you're 15, 16, 17, like right in that peak um, young adult age where you think you're grown up and you think you're having all of these adult experiences, but looking back on them, they really are much more naive than you actually thought. And I think love story is honestly, I think I'm going to disagree with you. I think love story is a better thesis for the album because I think this album really leans into that mysticism, the princesses, the fairy tales. And we know our girl Tay loves a happy ending. 
and at the ending at the end of the song we get a proposal from romeo and i think this song is more about optimistic like enchanting <laughs> wink wink first <laughs> love than the high school like longing you know mm, i see does that make I see, sense i see i know it does make sense it does make sense i very much see how it can be emblematic of of that as a whole in and i'd like to call album. out too that taylor also did choose this as the lead single for fearless taylor's version it was the very first re-recorded thing we ever heard from taylor and it was the right choice it's a song that has really stood the test of time it's a song that I think every Swifty on earth knows all the words to, and I think she chose the right single twice. And I'm going to give a big smash to love story as the lead single. Big smash for love story. You heard it here first. I'm going to say end of the day, I'm going to say pass for you're going to, you're going to pass. Are you passing pass. in favor of you belong with me? Yeah. Or even the song, I, I get why she didn't choose fearless either because Ugh. I it would have been a little so too much. on the nose, you know? It's so good, but, though. Oh, it's, I mean, this whole album is That song but... reminds me of my little sister, because when Fearless Taylor's version came out, she was 16, I think. So, like, prime age uh, to experience that album. And, like, you know, she was, I think, four when the first one came out, like, the original. And I was living at home, and she was a junior in high school when the album came out. And so it was just... I, experiencing that with her was so special and so the song fearless just always reminds me of her and that like girlhood of hers that i got to experience by Aww. living at home again with her i know that's so beautiful yeah girl so a case could be made for that one too but i think my overall answer is a big smash for love story all right so andy's got smash on love story nikki's got pass i'm two passes so far Oof. it's okay <laughs> that's okay i i sent some smashes in your future um <laughs> speaking of speak now taylor swift's third studio album the lead single is mine nikki do you want to tell the people a little bit of context about the release of mine i would love to so lead single mine uh oh remember hearing those beautiful o's iconic I do. opening to an album <laughs> uh oh it's like summer oh. it's youth it's driving in the car with the top down incredible Ugh, so beautiful immediately wow. sets the tone immediately sets the tone it this song was released on august 4th 2010 holy hell that is nearly 13 years ago over 13 I was years ago five days from turning 15. oh my lordy i know so babies yeah babies going into sophomore year of high school so young so fresh this song comes out in Midsummer, Midsummer Heat, released from her new self-written album. So mm -hmm. fun fact about this album, for those who don't know, Taylor wrote this album entirely on her own with no co-collaborators. And at this point, A let's queen. see, how old was she? She was 19? No. 19. 20. 20? Okay. So 20. she was 20. She was 20 crazy. when she released this album, which is when I was 20, insane. I was had nothing interesting to say when I was 20 and she <laughs> happened to pen an I entire still studio album. I still don't. I, I don't know why we're doing this podcast and yeah. people are listening to us, but 
I had nothing interesting to say when I was 20 and Taylor penned like 18 songs completely by herself that have stood the test of time and still speak to me when I'm 28 years old. That's so crazy. It really is. It truly is because this is an, again, another fictional love story, you know, where again, she places us at a precise moment in time. You know, she literally asks you, do you remember we were sitting there by yeah. the water, blah, blah, blah. But do you remember like she puts this memory into our minds and she makes them ours and it's just so beautiful when you get that like narrative story in a lead single like this because i think it really not that we don't love hearing directly from taylor's life and stories but i do think that there is some 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 more give when it's fictionalized from her minds i think that's honestly where she shines i don't want to say the best songs about that she's written are not narrative to her own life but i might say that because look at folklore and evermore i don't know those are my favorite albums i might be biased interesting but, but i raise you would have could have should have uh, damn it uh, i raise you delicate i raise uh, you all too well uh, stop well at this point we're going up until this point yeah and also I think maybe better, better classified walking my own comments back that up until this point, up until this point, I think truly, this is like, oof, this is just so good. Oof. So good. It's and so this good. is truly as a, as a whole to speak now, I'm not going to go too into it now because we have a deep dive coming out down the line, but this is like her first holistic album where she does use a lot of storytelling throughout mm -hmm. the album not just a track here on the lead single but she uses this a lot and plays a lot with the different imaginary scenarios like crashing a wedding and you know of, of your beloved long lost love and it, it is a bit of mysticism and like a lot of it probably isn't drawn from her own life for yeah, the first time exactly mm-hmm mm-hmm and I would like to point out too that there's um, lines in this song and on Speak Now specifically that are a little bit more grown up. Like there's in mine, there's, and there's a drawer of my things at your place, which implies she's sleeping over and that, you know, these relationships are getting a little bit more adult than, you know, our song where he drops her off at the end of the night and she whispers so that her mom doesn't hear her. Like there, there's, mm -hmm. it's definitely signifies a growing up that has happened since fearless oh, yeah. in the debut album and also contains one of my favorite lyrics on speak now which is you made a rebel of a careless man's careful daughter oh that's such a good line such it's so good a good line and you're so right mm -hmm. it's just uh it's a beautiful growth moment which i think is so funny that taylor swift for so long was just slowly inching her way towards adulthood in her music at, at risk mm -hmm. of losing the young fans and you know totally. all of the, and being a bad role model quote unquote yeah all of the media backlash and and hype that has been on her for so long just about her womanhood and who she's dating etc i do think so i do think though and it's pretty funny how like excited we were just to hear her say a drawer of my things at your place. It's totally. Like, <gasps> like, so scandalous. The scandal. Oh my God. <laughs> the horror. The horror. <laughs> and uh, I, I would like to though, I think we would be remiss if we did not offer the option of Sparks Fly as the lead single. 
I know. Because I think starting it with, I mean, the, like, the intro chords to Speak Now or Sparks Fly are just a little bit more like rock and roll, which would have been really interesting and more of like a jump scare, I feel like, than the beginning of mine, like in a good way. And I also think having the first single contain the lines drop everything now would have been really, really awesome. And Sparks Fly is one. I think if I had to choose between the two, Sparks Fly is, is more my favorite. Um, so I would have chosen that as the lead single. And that's mm. considering everything we've said about how much we love mine. I think Sparks Fly would have been my choice. Interesting. I, do. I know. I, I see it, though. I see it. I see it. I think I get why Taylor chose mine over Sparks Fly, just because it's... Tell me why. Walk me like through the said. decision. Tell me why. Oh my God. <laughs> Love it. Amazing. Why, why, why. All right. So I think she chose this over Sparks Fly because exactly what you said. It's not as much of a jump scare for, especially for country listeners coming off of mm. Fearless and, you know, still expecting that country, country storytelling, the notes, everything. I do think that mine isn't too is it too rocky? It's not too poppy. Yeah. It's just right there on the True. fine line of country, but new, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. different than what you've heard before, but it still fits very comfortably in that genre. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think overall I would agree with Taylor. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to smash mine. Oh, you're going to, you're going to give a smash your first smash of the, of the pod. First smash the pod, baby. First smash of the pod. I'm going to give a pass. This is a a pass in favor of Sparks Fly. That's very fair. Very fair take. Yeah. Very fair take. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on, we have the beautiful, glorious album that is Red. Uh, what a beautiful album for fall. It's Interesting fall. enough. Uh, yeah, exactly. What I was about to say, it is almost fall. We are so excited. And... I just think this it's so funny re-listening to this album for the pod, listening to We Are Never Getting Back Together. Oh my Lord, this song, this song goes hard. <laughs> it goes hard. It is, goes it's so my hard. favorite of the three major pop hits on Red because as we've talked about at some point, I don't know when, but we've talked about Red being the first like really like transition album the one that's sitting on the line between pop and country like she was kind mm -hmm. of starting to go there but didn't want to do it too abruptly so as not to to scare the country folks but of the three major pop hits on red which i consider to be 22 we are never ever getting back together and i knew you were trouble this one's my favorite by a mile Ooh, i think i knew you were trouble is would have been that my one's pick never really stuck with me oh that's a you disappointed. Oh man. I no, because <laughs> I mean a little. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Tell me why I'm wrong. I, this is what this uh, is for. I love a heated I discourse. Mean, I knew you were trouble. I I don't think I would have chosen it as a lead single if I were Taylor Swift, but if I were Nikki Velistes and I had magically written all these songs, I definitely mm -hmm. would have been like, let's go big into pop. Like let's lean into this. Let's start off strong, shock the, mm -hmm. the peeps, shock the crowds, start with the biggest banger. I knew you were trouble, but you know, also I really do get why she, she chose this song first. It's 
subtle transition to pop within this song too it gives country it gives pop it's good it's got that like banjo through line that goes Mm -hmm. through it so it still has the country twang to it but it's Mm -hmm. a pop song through and through and it's one that's really stood the test of time and even at the age of 28 i still listen to this song to get over men (laughs) all the time true it really does it really does uh hold up today i think and I mean, also it's to note that this song was, she started working with pop producers, Max Martin and Shellback. Like these are pop lords. Just give them a a quick Google and you'll see all the hundreds of songs that they've produced and and co-written with so many pop icons. So Mm -hmm. I think also the fact that she's, you know, starting to work with some, some specifically pop producers. Um, You can see it in this, throughout this song, throughout this album. I do think Mm -hmm. this song is so special too because we get you know some spoken word ad libs we get because like what you know of course my god iconic like ever bridge the spoken word bridge just absolutely amazing just so funny like this song's just so funny it's funny and she's funny and nobody ever gives her enough credit for being funny i would like to propose though I don't know. I don't think it's an amazing tone set for the album. I think obviously, like we said, it does hint at the transition to pop, but I don't think it's super representative of the album as a whole. And so an alternate choice I would like to to throw in the mix would be Red because, I mean, it's a little on the nose to do the title track as the lead single. I think that song is a really good thesis for the entire album of it being about all of the different shades that love can take and heartbreak can take because that's really the through line that runs through red and it's it's boppy it could have done well on the radio it is a much better tone set i think for the whole album but never ever getting back together went like multi mega platinum and i'm not sure red could have run that same distance so i think it's kind of a trade-off of like do you pick the one that's going to be the runaway radio hit which feels like the answer is yes or do you pick the one that is the best thesis statement for your whole album and i'm not sure what i would have chosen yeah i don't know either because i i agreed that red when i was listening to this album for the first time i remember being obsessed with the song red and i don't i didn't have the you know the, the understanding to understand why she was choosing lead singles at the time but looking back it does perplex me a little bit that she chose this song versus red but i do think yeah it was a a good choice for for hitting those milestone markers for listeners because truly that's the big cornerstone of taylor swift's entire strategy towards music is she loves the numbers she wants those titles she wants the grammys she wants the record-breaking hits that's very important to her so you know i'm gonna say smash overall for this song as a lead single what about you? What's your final, your final take? You're going to say smash. I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to say pass. Cause I think it's more important to me to know what I'm getting into with the album. And I don't think that mm. we are never getting back together is a sonic representation of the album. Really? Um, I'd like to be clear though. I love this song and of all of the pop songs on this album, it's my favorite, but I think I would have gone with red. So I'm going to have to give a pass to we are never ever getting back together. Bum, bum, bum. All right. So now that we've officially smashed and passed, we are never getting back together from Red. Let's transition into the first pop 
official pop album from Taylor from 1989. The Rise of a Pop Star. The Rise of a Pop Star. We hear the anthem of Shake It Off. This was released on August 19th, 2014. And what a whirlwind this entire album was, culturally speaking. Starting off with a very clear pop anthem. This was a shift. The last thing we heard from Taylor was Red, uh, it's, which is a very obviously like a softer pop country autumnal album. And then you hear the opening beat of 1989 as, as we knew it with Shake It Off as the lead single. And it's very pop produced. Do you know who the producer was here? It was Max Martin, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. And it was different. It was very different. I was here for it. I've always been a pop girly. And I mean, this song was played at every single party my sophomore year of college. Like I can't even think of a time when I went to a party and this song wasn't played. So it was a hit by all means. Like it has, I wrote this down. It was, it has 1.1 billion streams on Spotify. That is actually Which honestly insane. felt low. That felt low to me. A billion? A billion. Yeah. Do you know like, how many songs have a billion streams, Andy? Not that many songs, I feel like. I, Actually, I would like to know how many, but I mean, Cruel Summer just hit, it hit a billion and it's only been four years. And Shake It Off has a billion in nine years. But also, I guess Taylor's music was off Spotify for a long time. Ooh, that is true. When 1989 came out, it was off Spotify. True. And just to note, I just looked this up because I wanted to know. As of September 2023, a total of 469 songs have surpassed 1 billion streams on Spotify. Only 42 of those have surpassed 2 billion, and two have surpassed 3 billion in the platform's history. Just some fun facts right there. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up right now. Let's see. I want to find out. The two. Ooh. So the two most streamed songs in history. I'm going to give you the artist and I think you should guess what the song is. Oh, good idea. So the first song at the top of the charts with 3.7 billion streams is by The Weeknd. Can you guess what song of his is number one? Nope. I think TikTok. Oh, um, Blinded by the Light. That's the number one of all time. Number according to Spotify, this is the most streams. Yeah. What's the what's the next one? Number two is a close pal of Taylor Swift, the artist Ed Sheeran, at three point six billion streams. It's got to be Shape of You. Yep, Yep. Yep. Indeed, on the nose, baby, on the nose. I would like all of our listeners to know that I accounted for probably a billion of those streams because I love that song, but that's a lot of streams. Whether you are a fan of Shape of You or Ed Sheeran or not, it's, I mean, the numbers don't lie. It's just one of the catchiest yes, pop songs ever. There's an amazing making of a song that the New York Times released, I think in December of 2017 on YouTube, but you can watch it. It is so fascinating to see what Ed Sheeran's mind can do because, you know, I I also was a big fan of the song. I've been a long time Ed Sheeran fan as well. He opened for the Red Tour that Taylor Swift did. 
that I attended, which was fabulous. It is so fascinating to see what goes on in his head to all the product layers of production and the different sounds he uses. It's, it's amazing. So side note, go check that out back to shake it off. I think, you know, I know that after this came out, I think it was Max Martin himself who said this was like the perfect pop song in terms of the chord progressions, the, uh, the melody, et cetera. To which I say, yes, it's catchy. Yes, it's fun to see Taylor acknowledge the haters. Haters going to hate, hate, hate. But in my opinion, the song screams, pick me, pick me, girl. Like, it just, what? I don't know. What I do don't mean? like yeah. it. Okay, so this song is, it's the beginning of we like what we see Taylor, you know, kind of speaking directly to the media to what they've made of her image and the expectations of her, you know, the haters, you know, I mean, she has other songs like mean, you know, from fearless, she's got blank space on this album as well. That in my opinion would have been a much stronger single to capture the, the energy of 1989, still show off her pop and be more shocking, frankly, because we said this before, but the lead single should ideally capture the entire album's essence. It's a thesis statement. It's a thesis statement. And Shake It Off is not a thesis statement for 1989. I'm I agree. curious if, it, yeah, okay. I was going to say, I, it, it's, it's a pass. It's a huge pass for me. It slaps in a stadium live, but overall, just day to day, generally, like pass, big pass for me. But I'm, but I'm curious what you mean about giving pick me energy. I've never gotten that from Shake It Off. Ooh, I mean, I'm not trying to make it more complex than it needs to be. At the end of the day, it's just she's just trying to have fun and address the haters in a fun way. I don't want to get too into it, but I think overall, it just it's like, uh, how do I describe this? She's like. You know, I love our girl Taylor, but she has played a victim many, many of times in her history, sometimes very rightfully so. But sometimes, you know, it's like. <sighs> Maybe not justified response to the haters. I think, yeah, I think it's like it's a little it's a little much. But I mean, this song, again, it slaps, it slaps live. It's fun. It's a sweet message to, it's fun to sing. It's fun to sing. It's a fun message. Yes. Shake off the haters. You do you. Like I, I, I don't want to fight that because that is beautiful overall, but it's, uh, I think it's a cheap, a cheap pop song. I think it's interesting pass for me. Yeah. When you said blank space is a much better thesis statement of the album, I am in 5,000% agreement. That is absolutely my choice for the lead single of 1989. It's, it's giving it girl in a fun way, mm -hmm. not in a pick me way. It's giving it girl. Mm -hmm. It's giving, I have everybody wrapped around my little finger. It's giving, I'm just going to even more successfully than I think in shake it off, shake, shake, shake it off. Cause I, for anyone who doesn't know the, Blank Space music video was really the first like very self-aware moment that we got from Taylor and it featured her with like a string of handsome men just kind of like stringing them along and kind of playing the psycho uh man-eater that the media had portrayed her to be when it was always saying like she's always singing about boys and she's all of her songs about her ex-boyfriend she's just a serial dater and had really reduced her to this man eater and she really played that in the music video and i'm going to give a shout out to my friend grace who i know listens to this podcast 
when this music video came out, we were living in our sorority house in college and we had like a formal event that night and we were getting ready and this music video came out and we thought it was so epic and we played it for hours, like literally maybe two or three hours. And at one point somebody came in our room and shouted, you better turn that off or I am going <laughs> you guys out of this house or something so crazy and dramatic but we were so obsessed with the song we probably listened to it 25 times in a row we loved it so much and it's a pop song that has really stood the test of time and i think it's a response to her haters that's more successful and more nuanced than shake it off and also just the music video is, is so epic and i think blank space was the right choice and i'm sad that she didn't pick it as the lead single yeah, I'm, I mean, it's it's a song that definitely has beautiful memories attached to it because what single of Taylor Swift's doesn't have, you know, totally. like these spotlight memories for us because we're we are waiting in anticipation for each one of them. Totally. So yeah, I, I, I definitely see that. And it has, of course, this like nostalgic pop vibe to it from the, you know, the mid 2010s. But yeah, I think just as you said, Blank Space would have been a much more reflective tone of not only the pop music within the album of 1989 but also who taylor is as a maturing young woman and rewriting the narrative in a very funny very clever nuanced way that if you know if you were just to read the lyrics and watch the music video you might not necessarily catch even that she sat you know it's a satire of herself but mm -hmm. shake it off yeah that shake it off just doesn't give me that energy i would i pass it every time i i it comes on shuffle it's just it it's in a the pass. stadium but it's a it pass in the stadium overall. but overall pass double pass. pass on single pass on song is this the first time we've been in agreement it might be it might yeah, be i think it first might agreement. be but yeah big big pass and with that, this leads me to the lead single I'm most excited to talk about, which is the seminal infamous hit from the 2017 album, Reputation, Look What You Made Me Do. And I have so many feelings here. I am absolutely torn because first of all, cultural reset. You cannot deny that this music video dropping and the glitching snake was an absolute moment. Everybody remembers where they were when they saw this. That's true. I mean, 100%. <laughs> Do you want to tell the people what happened, Nikki? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What to begin? Well, given some backstory, this is 2017, summer of 2017. We'll go we... into the full backstory of Reputation more when we do that deep dive, but please give the people a spark notes, Nikki. All right. So quick spark notes version of what was happening at the time of this single drop. So we have gone a year plus without hearing from Taylor Swift, without seeing Taylor Swift in the media, all due to the very infamous feud with Kanye West and Kim Kardashian. We'll go more into depth on that once we do our reputation deep dive, but pretty much we didn't know if we were ever gonna hear from Taylor Swift again. We had no clue what, was she, what she was doing, where she was in the world, nothing. It was a scary time. It was a scary, time and then on august 24th 2017 yeah. she drops actually it was august 23rd she releases a series of images on instagram of a glitching snake 
and then announces that her single look what you made me do would be dropping the the following night accompanied by a music video and fun fact this song earned over 8 million streams within the first 24 hours of its Spotify release, which at the time was breaking the record for the highest first day streaming for a single track. And actually, it's since then, the record has been surpassed by several songs, one of which is including Taylor Swift's Antihero from Midnight's. But I think that speaks for itself. This song definitely was an attention grabber for oh. sure. Yeah. Um, it really made us look, I mean, it literally look what you made me do. Just the, the title of the song itself is so tempting. It's so juicy. It's, it makes me oh want to immediately click the video and see what did we make her do? Who's we did what, what, ah, you know, <laughs> it's terrifying. I was quaking in my boots to put it lightly i remember where i was when i first saw this music video i was in my bunk bed shout out to faith hicks i think she listens to this podcast but we were sharing a bunk bed and this music video dropped we saw the glitching snake and we were panicking and watched this music video and i will be honest i wasn't into it because i was just like this feels fabricated this feels very manufactured by her label and like after the success of 1989 it's giving like my label told me that I need to be edgy now. And so I was a, I was a skeptic, but that does not mean that my jaw was not on the floor when we mm -hmm. see Taylor covered in snakes, dripping in jewels, setting banks on fire. Like the whole thing was just such a swerve. And like, it really was kind of a, you had to be there moment. Like if you don't, if you didn't see that single drop in real time, you'll never understand like the, the shift of it. And I'm torn here because I think Getaway Car would have been a much better song to lead with. And I think it's a much better like thesis of the album, as we've been talking mm. about, because it's, you know, the whole thing is like she's kind of driving in a getaway car from this um, 1989 era where she was really criticized and she's really like kind of reinventing herself, getting in a getaway car, for lack of better terms. And we still need a music video for Getaway Car today. I'm still waiting for it. Um, but the moment of watching the Look What You Made Me Do music video is so ingrained in my brain. And spoiler alert, Reputation is one of my favorite albums. And this is honestly like very low to the bottom of like songs for me on Reputation. But I lean towards Smash because this was just the perfect shock factor, which I think Reputation needed. Yeah, I definitely agree. This was a perfect choice for a cultural reset, a shock for the audience, a comeback, so to speak. Absolutely insane. I agree. I did not like this song. When I saw the music video, it turned me off for the entire album as a whole. Anyway, look what you made me do. We have Jack Antonoff production. It's a great cultural reset, but uh, yeah, I mean, pass as a song, but smash as a single. She knew what she was doing. It's, it's definitely... I think the right choice holistically to choose from this album, but I mean, but well, yeah. Let me ask you then if, if you feel like it turned you off the whole album, cause I will say it turned me, it turned me off for like a day. And then I was listening to it a bunch, like on my way to my very rough job that I had at the time and was like getting myself hyped up. It, it, it pivoted for me. It was a much like shorter, curve i would say like i did end up liking it but if it turned you off of the album as a whole 
was it the right choice? Mm, no, I still think yes, because she could have chosen, I was thinking alternatives. And although I love getaway car, I don't think that, I don't really think that is a great choice for a lead single because it doesn't capture the musical tone of this album mm, as much. I agree. It sounds more similar to 1989. Yeah. It's less, it's less, you know, kind of wacky production and, you know, more Antonoff heavy production, but I, you know, I was thinking why not delicate or don't blame me even. I think those, those two would have been other good contenders, but they still don't carry the same shock as the mm. song. So, you know, I mean, again, if you're going for, if, if your lens is to shock the audience, get maximum streams possible, break records, this song, I think is a good choice, but I do think you could have honestly put the same music video to several different songs on this album, but ultimately smash as a lead single. I agree. And I do think even though I think Getaway Car could have worked, I think it was a lovely hidden gem on the album because it wasn't a single at all. And so then listening to the album as a whole, there was so much like so many great gems in the back half, which again, we'll talk about that more in the Reputation Deep Dive. But I'm going to give this a hard smash. It was such a moment and it just really, it was a cultural reset. That's all I can say about it. And so I'm going to give it a smash. It was, it was indeed double smash for reputation. Look what you made me do. Double smash. And that leads us to maybe the hardest one to discuss. (laughs) Um, In Taylor's seventh studio album, Lover, which came out in August, 2019, the lead single was Me, featuring Brendan Urie of Panic, Panic at the Disco. And long story short, I will never forgive Taylor Swift for not choosing Cruel Summer. Never. 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 It was sitting right there. It was right like, there. And this song would have been the song of the summer. To talk about the song Me, first of all. I mean, this song is just bubblegum pop at its worst like she's <laughs> she's like trying to be camp but just failing so but miserably i don't like, know if she's in on the joke is the problem no she's definitely not like, i think she not. loves this song and yeah. i think she was probably really disappointed that the feedback was so bad to the point where she didn't have she didn't include it in the era store she didn't include it in the era store and she took away the bridge the hey kids spelling is fun they removed that from the right the, call. The song. The right call. Like, I mean, in some ways that made it more camp and kind of made it seem more. No, I no, the whole thing. No. Even with, with or without the bridge, there's no fixing this song. It is, it, it's, it's mm. gone. It is just absolute pass. In terms of as a lead single and placement on the album as well, me and Shake It Off just don't fit the album they don't rep the album as a whole yeah and lover is such a beautiful album it is truly such a a great work of from tay after reputation you know transitioning into the romanticism and security and excitement and everything that surrounds her newfound love that we Mm -hmm. heard you know the the beginnings of the the story, the intro, so to speak, into that relationship and reputation and coming into Lover and hearing the song Me, it was like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) It made me unsure. 
And like, it was closely followed by you need to calm down, which I like more, but those are probably bottom five on lover for me. And lover is a, is a long album. Like there are 18 songs on this album or 16, I think. And, you know, you think about all of the girls you've loved before, which was a quote unquote vault track that Taylor released when the Eras tour started. So four years after lover came out and that was far and away superior to me. And so I just think about all the things that got left on the cutting room floor in favor of me. And I just, I just don't understand. And, and if we're talking about thesis of the album, the album's not about her. The album is about her and Joe and their love and her finally feeling secure. And like, yeah, I guess it's a confidence anthem in that way, but huge pass. And like, it made me feel unsure about the lover era, not in like a uncomfortable way, like reputation did. It made me feel unsure about the lover era in like, oh God, like, is this a, a hard right into bubblegum pop in a bad Mm -hmm. way after reputation? And like, I was really, I was worried. I'll be honest. I, I, our queen always delivers, but I was worried about lover. Yeah. I was, I was worried big time. I mean, even leading with, there's so many songs on this album and you were right. There are 18 songs on this album. She had so many sitting so right there. Many. She could have I chosen... have actually drafted my dream rollout, if you'd like to hear. I would love to hear it. Because I think this was her biggest miss. So I I course corrected her and I have my my alternates. So my rollout would have obviously been starting with Cruel Summer. That song is insane. Song of the Summer, I think it's a great thesis for the album. It's not necessarily about lasting love in the way that songs like Lover and Daylight are, but it's about, it's all about having a crush. It's about like excitement and love and you know infatuation which i think a lot of songs on lover are i would also argue quickly that it's not about a crush but it is about like you're hot and heavy with (laughs) you know it's we're deeper than crush area no 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 you're right it's about your summer fling it is like you are having a sexual steamy summer and you're getting some feels there and you're unsure of where you stand Hot Girl Summer before Hot Girl Summer was a thing. True. So true. So true. Yeah. But I would have followed Cruel Summer with I Think He Knows. Mm. Because that's that's a forgotten gem on Lover. And I think it would have done really well on the radio. I think it would have gotten a lot more hype than it did being kind of buried in the middle of the album. And then I would have followed with The Man. Because even though The Man... The Man is one that has like settled in more as a classic for me since the Eras tour. But... The music video was epic. It's totally playable on the radio. And then I would have right before release, which I think she did do this right before release. I would have released Lover. Mm. So that would have been my rollout for the singles. That's honestly, I can't complain. No major complaints there. Thank no you. major complaints. I think that I think would have been way better. Kind of the wild card, but I feel good about that choice. Yeah. No, overall, overall, she just did not did not consult well with her team on this no. one but we forgive her for it because you know we still got cruel summer we have it forever so we can that yeah. can be our song of the summer in yeah. it was in 2019 and it is today and forever may it be but big pass on me all right next up my baby gem of an album we have <laughs> folklore and 
the lead single, which technically wasn't even a lead single, so I suppose it was just a normal single. Um, this, the leading song, if you the will. The leading song, if you the will. The main character. The main character of this album is Cardian. And this album was released same day, July 27th, 2020. So the whole album was released at once with no lead single, but it did feature a midnight music video premiere of Cardigan. So therefore, you know, this was the the main character, as we said, of this album. And overall, I think this, this song is so beautiful. It is mm-hmm. mystical. It is nostalgic. Just the notes at the beginning of the song remind me of like stepping stones or like cobblestones. Ooh. I mean, I know she says she says that in the lyrics. Yeah, he was on cobblestones, but it just it sounds like pitter patter of cobblestones and like a rainy street in some small Scottish town. That's how that's what oh. I picture, which I don't even know if that's what she was <laughs> envisioning, but I mean, or like a horse trotting along. Exactly, like a little mm-hmm. horse, a, a little, little pony, pony. little Shetland pony, <laughs> a little pony just little galloping pony. along <laughs> in Wicklow, maybe. Oh my god! Oh, stop! I know. Oh. Call back to sweet nothing. So good. Um, yeah. So, so you, you sounded very in the bag for Cardigan. I think if you had to choose a song from this album to to be a lead single or to accompany a music video. I see why she chose this because it sets the tone for this album very well. The lyrics of the song are very mystical and very fun, but they also call back to, you know, there's little notes of Taylor within this song, but it's also clearly, or I wouldn't even say clearly, but you can see the narrative weave web spinning slowly of this story. You know, a friend to all is a friend to none. Chase mm-hmm. two girls, lose the one. So far, you know, the this one. gets this gets Swifties kind of chasing two girls, lose the one. Does this relate to Taylor? This doesn't really sound like anything we know about her. So already you're kind of wondering whose story she's telling, if it's hers, if it's not. You know, she has sequin smile, black lipstick. That's very much a reference to her black lipstick era of reputation, uh, you know, a few albums back. And yeah, overall, I think this song is such a great choice for a lead single. The bridge at the end, the, the chorus, the way she changes the melody slightly to really emphasize everything is so... <laughs> <laughs> it's so beautiful. I love this song and I love this as a as a single. I I have no complaints. I will be smashing this song until the end of time. Pop a ring on my finger. I'd marry Cardigan in a heartbeat. Smash forever. Oh, wow. Okay, so I hear you and I respect your opinion. But I'd like to advocate for another corner of the love triangle and propose August as the lead single. Mm, because august to me is more representative of the the album as a whole like cardigan is a winter song and i think cardigan could really have thrived on evermore and august is much more representative of the late summer august september october vibes of folklore because to me folklore is like the melancholic late summer vibes and august is also a song that i see in my head as a music video so like so lines like you're back beneath my, the sun wishing I could write my name on it. I think that's 
I see that so clearly in my brain. And I think it's a great pick to really highlight like the storytelling fiction aspect of folklore. And I think it's more repeatable. Like it's more of a song I want to put on repeat than folklore or than, um, than cardigan, excuse me. And I, and I, and I say that as someone who's incredibly in the bag for August and like, but I do think it would have been my pick as the lead single. Cause it's also, I think has proved to be the mo- maybe the most lasting song from folklore for the masses. And I think it would have been really helpful for folklore to go even more mega platinum than it did. Cause you know, folklore was such a moment in 2020, but I think if she had released this album, July, end of July, like you said, and then August was just like sitting right there as the lead single, that would have gone totally TikTok viral. And not that we necessarily want Taylor's songs to be TikTok sounds, but like, I think that would have really propelled folklore even further than it already was. And that's saying, like, it's, I'm saying that as, you know, folklore is an album that one album of the year, the Grammys. So like, yeah, August would have been my pick. So I'm mm. gonna give I'm gonna give a pass to Cardigan. Oh man, but I have to say, although August is a smash, like it is one of my favorites off of this album, I do think she chose Cardigan for the reason of it being the tie between August and Betty. These are the other two mm. songs in the love triangle. This song is what connects them both. Without this song, you don't have a love triangle. You have two separate songs that don't connect don't connect so that is i think the strategy behind choosing this song versus august or betty or any of the other songs is that this is kind of the peak or the top of the triangle so to speak Mm. really setting the tone for everything so yeah i do think cardigan is a huge smash for me as i said Great choice for album tone set, but you know, of course, a nod to August is it's a beautiful song too, and it definitely would have had a long life as well. But I think again, setting tones for album, connecting the dots, beautiful music video accompanied to this as well. I think this is this is the one for me. This is the one. And maybe our queen just wanted to sell some cardigans too. You never know. True. I mean, like I said, she's a capitalist girl. She knows what she's doing. She is making that dope. A marketing mastermind, if you, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm going to give, I'm going to give it a a pass, unfortunately. And I love cardigan, no hate to cardigan, but I'm going to, I'm going to ride for my girl August here as the lead single choice. All right. You heard it here first, folks. That said, we are now on to the twin album of Folklore. Evermore, which was released just a mere few months after Folklore. And we received the same day announcement on December December 11th, 2020, just a few months later, we received a, a same day Instagram post saying that Taylor has a whole second album that she has come up with, again, with producer Aaron Dessner, as well who is also on cardigan and folklore album uh, as well but we get willow from evermore willow and And i would like to argue i thought through because like willow willow feels like the right choice but i did i did look through evermore as well to see if there could have been any others and i i don't think so i don't think anything had the playability had the um like cabin vibes like 
Willow did. And I think Willow is the right choice. And I will say, I think I'm in the minority here, but Willow is one that has still stood the test of time for me and still remains top few songs on the album for me. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great song choice, I think, for lead single for this album. It definitely sets the tone for Evermore. You know, it's truly Cardigan and, or sorry, truly Folklore and Evermore could be one entire album. But if you had to choose, you know, since she's done this two separate albums, I think that Willow is a great choice for tone setting. But, you know, you also had some sad girl Swifty bangers, Champagne Problems or Tis the Damn Season. I do think those would have been more appropriate for the tonal set of like December album, Christmas time. You think Champagne Problems could have been a lead single? No, that's uh, no, no. I'm saying it would have been better <laughs> to set the tone for like you knew you said August for like August. You know the month. I of did. August. I did. I'm sorry. I came in too you know hot I mean? there. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was like, but, come on, Andy. <laughs> sorry, I came in too hot there. I did not mean to 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 hit you with that tone. But Champagne Problems is not my fave. Like I, I mean, like I we'll again, talk about it more in the Evermore deep dive. But Bad Girl Swifty here. I think I know. Those I know. Would not have been the best choice for lead single. I, I'm going to say Smash for Willow. That's that is what the, my end goal here is. I'm going to say Smash for Willow. But I do think that Champagne Problems or Tis the Damn Season as a Sad Girl Swifty would have been really beautiful singles. I would have loved to see a music video to either either one of those songs. Yeah. But they're just not as they're not as boppy. They're they don't have as long of a lifespan as as willow would have on radio on on streaming so you know I, I get or not as much plausibility of having about 12 different willow remixes so <laughs> what the there f- was so many willow remixes and we didn't need any of them i don't think we needed one of those i mean listeners if you've heard a remix of willow taylor swift has released a dozen different remixes that you could purchase online on her site so many and they are all just different variations of the same thing and nothing is better than the original i i can sense some of our listeners are probably going to dm us and say check out the 90s trend one i've checked it out it's fine but it's not it doesn't give me the witchiness of the original and i'm hearing your argument i'm just arguing with myself now but the witchy the dancing witch remix is not better than the original and i would i would like that to be said that is fair. That is fair. I don't even know if I've heard that one. It was it's, memorable enough to me to remember. Exactly. So. <laughs> There's too many. Oversaturation of the Willow remix. Oversaturation of Willow. Agreed. But Willow, big smash. Yeah. So overall, we both say smash to Willow as a lead. Yeah. Song. It was the right choice. It was the right call. Definitely. And moving on towards our last, our youngest child, um, Midnight's, Taylor Swift's most recent studio album, the lead single was Antihero, and we've already talked about this quite a bit in the Midnight's Deep Dive episode, so if you haven't listened to that one, go ahead and let go over there, because we definitely uh, chatted in depth about Antihero there, so we won't go too much into it here, but this is the most unequivocal correct choice, in my opinion. Yes, agreed 1,000%. No argument. I can't think of no anything argument. else that would have been a better lead single. No, I mean, there's... You know, she did release music video to to Bejeweled, and that is also a huge bop, a sparkling gem on this album, so to speak. If you will. If you will. But I think ultimately Antihero is just the perfect choice. It's great 
production. It's got some specific nods to Taylor herself being larger than life figure. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful metaphoric language within the lyrics there. And it's it's just a great, great choice because it sounds so appealing, I think, to everyone. I mean, this song, again, as I mentioned before, broke records for same day streaming on Spotify. And it shows because it is a catchy bop. And what I love about this song, too, is it nods to 1989 production, but it also has notes of a little bit of even dare I say like folklore and red in there too. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we have Jack Antonoff again on this song as well as, as a producer and it's, there's just so many, so many gems within this song that I really, really love. And frankly, I get, it's definitely overplayed today, which I think taints our view of the song potentially now looking back at this album being released a year ago, but I think this song is, I'm a big anti-hero fan. I think it's a great first choice and really emblematic of Midnight's as a whole. If you if you had to choose something, because Midnight's is kind of a little wobbly on, on themes, on, on just Midnight writing, dreaming, kind of being the undertone to the album. But yeah, I think ultimately, huge smash. And I think if we're talking about the thesis of the album, this is definitely it. Like, you know, you could have gone with something a little bit more palatable. I mean, not that Antihero is not palatable. It's an incredibly huge smash hit, but Bejeweled and Karma are more traditional pop songs, I'd say, but they don't really get at the root of like what keeps you up at night, like Antihero does. And I think Antihero so successfully gives us everything that Taylor Swift is insecure about. And as this you know, monster on the hill, too big to hang out. It's easy to think that she's not a person and doesn't have all these things that she's insecure about and things that keep her up in the middle of the night, really deep in like self-hatred for lack of a better word. And I think Antihero really hits at that central question of midnights, which is what keeps you up in the middle of the night. And for Taylor, it's things like, you know, body image and um, self-awareness and, you know, her her celebrity status and all these things and i think those through lines run through the rest of the the album really well so i think it's the perfect thesis statement for the whole album it really lays out like what else she's going to hit on in all the other songs and Mm -hmm. there have been smashes that i've identified earlier in this episode but this is the most firm yes absolutely a smash exactly the right choice bravo tay and i will say one of the only remixes I ever listened to because I I prefer original Antihero always, but I will say I do vibe sometimes to the Bleachers remix. Yes, agreed. And for those who yeah. don't know, Bleachers is the band of which Jack Antonoff, longtime co-producer, partner with Taylor Swift, has um, he's the lead singer and guitarist of that band as well. So. Yeah, that remix with with Bleachers and hearing Jack's take on the sexy baby lyric where he so says, what, an art bro, is that what it is? I think it's art bro, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Taylor, you'll be fine. An iconic moment in the Taylor Swift canon. And which became a chant, so to speak, at the Eras tour as well. I think it was a lesser known chant, but I- I did it though. Yeah, I did it too. I mean, we're, I mean, Taylor, we're tapped in, fine. Andy. We are tapped in. We know what's we're up. We're on the we're pulse. Clued in. 
but anti-hero huge smash huge smash the right choice the right choice and frankly i just can't wait to hear what she's working on next i am like how i i just love looking at her lead singles holistically like this because it gets me really excited to see okay how is she going to switch this up you know she's on the heiress right now through next year but i see her you know she's got the re-recording albums coming out of 1989 in october and very likely reputation in february february easter egg andy do you not know this easter egg these easter eggs about february no yeah what reputation dog what her finger on the clock in oh my god I don't know about this how do I not know about this I'm happy to to walk you through so in the uh, I think it's the anti-hero music video now I don't know which music video it is and I feel silly that I'm gonna have to explain this but oh knowing but her she have her fingers on the 10 and the two yep oh okay okay I know this and then one of them is the black nail for reputation and the blue nail for 1989 exactly okay I do know that but I just put all that together Wait, that's compelling. Yep, it's a compelling Easter egg theory, fan theory. So there's no confirmation on this whatsoever right now. But given that it's been confirmed with 1989 coming in the 10th month and her finger was on the 10 of the clock coffee mark that is in the music video. So people go too hard with the Easter eggs now, but that's compelling. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you listeners. I am deep on Taylor Swift conspiracy theory TikTok. Or Me too. TikTok. But not deep enough. Clearly, I did not know about this. <laughs> yeah, girl, I'm deep. I'm deep in there. Good, and goodness gracious. Yeah, that was a very exciting revelation I recently, I recently delved upon. Wow. But mm-hmm. here's hoping that with Taylor always in and out of Electric Lady Studios in New York City that we'll, we'll get some new music soon. And if not... Um, a full new studio album, maybe some more like from the vault tracks from Midnight's. I would love that. And yeah, overall, love chatting with you about um, the lead singles, Nikki. What a fun combo. I so can't fun. wait for the next one. And Please. listeners, let us know if you would smash or pass the same lead singles that we did. If you have any other hot takes or not so hot takes or just want to chat lead singles and your dream rollout for every album, we'll let be us here. Know. Let us know. And our next episode, we'll be back next Tuesday with a deep dive into Evermore because we are working our way backwards for through all of Taylor Swift's albums. And after Midnight's, or I guess before Midnight's, was Evermore. So we're excited to see you next time as we chat Evermore. I can't wait to chat through Same. Evermore. <laughs> can't wait. See you soon. All right, listeners. See you next time. See you next time.